0: Starting this other uh, broadcast. So we have our backup. So I don't forget that this time. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I <don't> forget. <laughs> I guess we'll get into the episode. Um, yeah,
1: we'll get into something that is completely not what we were just talking about.
0: Uh, just a, we're going to switch modes here and we're going to get really dark and right. serious because what we're talking about today on the Cinema Discovery Project. Is something that is really near and dear to our black hearts, and that is film noir. Tell us about film noir. Do do you like film noir? I do. Oh, uh, this is Andrew Cabal here. He's here today.
1: I'm back. I'm back. back. I've never left. Uh, The movies really never leave us, they're always around, they're always with us. I'm Stephen Billings, by the way. uh, I'm I'm, sorry I didn't introduce myself. This is really messy
0: opening. Wow. That is really messy. I don't care. What is
1: interesting is that it's so messy, and we're dealing with. A kind of messy subject because film noir really has no definition to it not not really not film,
0: not, a, not a, it's not re- is it a genre now i mean some people don't think it's pe- a genre some people pe- think it's just a feeling
1: some people don't believe it's a genre some people do some people believe it's just kind of uh uh, traits or characteristics of a movie, or a style a mood or feeling, a style. Um, and film noir is kind of a French term. Well, actually, it is a French term, it, it, meaning yeah, yeah. meaning a uh, dark film basically. Um, it translates directly to black film, but dark film sounds a lot better. Dark, uh, dark film, yeah. yeah. Noir is black in French. If you ever took French and. Middle school, high school, college, or anything like that. Uh, not many people take French these days. It's interesting that film noir is a French term, but it's a but it's a film movement, if you will. I guess movement's a better word than genre. Sure. Um, yeah. That has its roots in German expressionistic films from the nineteen teens yes. and nineteen twenties, which we've already gotten a little bit into when we talked about the horror films. Uh, or the, the overview of the history of horror films because yeah, yeah. there were a lot of horror films from Germany in the nineteen twenties, that silent era of horror films, and we talked about them when we talked about horror films as well. Yeah, yeah. And what now, now, like, now before, yeah, oh, before I was gonna say, before it. we
0: get any any further, <clears throat> um this episode we, what we're doing here is is being that it is uh, November, it's Noir ember have you say it, Noir-ember, no, um, noir Ember.
1: No Noir November. That's what it's Noir-vember. called.
0: Vember. Um, we are going to do the next two episodes uh, in the noir genre or whatever you want to call it. And um, so in this one, we're going to be doing kind of an overview of the classic era of uh, film noir. You know, noir has went on into present day, and, you know, there's different kind of subgenres of that genre, if you would, you know, whether it be neo-noir, it kind of, you know, as we talk more about noir, you'll see that it, it kind of can blend its way into many genres. So, but we're going to primarily talk about the classic era, which is what, 1940 to 1940, Near nineteen sixty yeah I, I like to,
1: I like to think nineteen forty to nineteen fifty eight is the classic era. Some yeah. people may say it extends a little further. some people believe a it earlier actually, maybe a little, a little bit, earlier, you know. but we are talking about Noir November, which is something that yeah. happens every November. it's it's a bit of an online. Uh, thing where it's, it actually was born out of a hashtag that was done by someone I'm aware of and that is, uh, we have to give credit where credit is due, and that is Miss Mariah Gates who works ah. for TCM she does their uh, social media stuff. She also worked uh, for FilmStruck. Well, technically, I guess still works for FilmStruck because it's still up and running, doing Rest the in social, peace. doing the social media there as well. And she created this hashtag, I believe, around 2010, and it's been picking up steam and followers ever since. And every year, people dedicate the month of November to watching noir films. And I watch noir films all year round, but it's kind of yeah, cool to have a month yeah. <laughs> straight up dedicated to it. Um, yeah, I'm
0: glad there's a month that people can just get together and watch some gritty, hard you know, horror or, or crime movies or gangster movies. Let's do it,
1: right? And we're we're limiting ourselves just to talking about the classic era because yes. if not, we're going to be talking about. Movies like mm. 70 years worth of movies. It's yes. gonna, we're gonna go off on a tangent, so we gotta control ourselves, yeah, because we love the genre so much. And getting back to kind of the origins of film noir, um, it, like I said, they have their origins within the 1920s uh, German expressionistic films, um, uh, films from directors like Fritz Lang, um, and, and people like, uh, uh even, even someone like Alfred Hitchcock who adopted a lot of the techniques of film noir or the German expressionism over to the movies that he was making in in Great Britain at the time but this is a, but this is a genre that uh, really expanded overseas to here and the reason why it yeah. expanded from Europe to here is because of a lot of the filmmakers were emigrating from Germany and kind of the mid-European countries to the United States because of the rise of Nazism. Because they kind of saw the writing on the wall that these Nazis in Germany are kind of crazy. And they're taking the country and they're going in a direction where we are going to be persecuted because we can't make the movies we want to make anymore. Uh, our, Our livelihoods are threatened. Our families are threatened because... If there's one thing about Nazis, they hate everything that they are not,
0: <laughs> and if not nihil nihilism is the word, I, th- I think. The nihilism- I, I
1: think so. They have. I think that's they the term. have an they have um, an ideology, but their ideology is really just awful. And yeah, yeah, and basically, yeah, so,
0: yeah a lot of the, a lot of them filmmakers and cinematographers from over there came over to the U.S. Right. and kind of just joined the the big boom of 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 filmmaking that was coming out of America, and and actually, you know, another kind of big thing that was a big deal about. Uh, film noir at this time um, was that a lot of these, you know, during the, th- this time, the studios, they when they made deal with theaters, um, you know, they had, you know, Technicolor was coming into play at this time and, you know, you know, you didn't have a lot of big movies. You know, it cost a lot of money to do movies like Wizard of Oz or like Gone with the Wind. So what they had to do when they made deals with theaters was is that they would have their big A movie and when they made the deal, they would also make a deal for a bunch of B-movies. And all these B-movies that were lower-budget movies were what became these all these film noirs that came out. You know, And when they made the deal with the theaters, the theaters had to go ahead and pay for all these movies that they didn't even know – that weren't even made yet. But it was just – that's how they made deals with theaters back then is that they right. would pay – they wanted to get that A-movie, but to get that A-movie, they had to buy all these B-movies. and. That the B movies ended up being film noirs and horror movies, right. and All these things that were a lot cheaper to make, and yes. you know the film noir genre just blossomed out of this era. So that
1: is very true. And and like I said, all the filmmakers that had come over here were already introducing that style into the Hollywood in the nineteen thirties. We have a director like Joseph von Sternberg who was bringing that German flavor over here, yeah. and then we also have what was happening in in Hollywood in the Hollywood film scene at the time was the gangster movies and the gangster movies were happening. You had films like, you know, Public Enemy, Little Caesar, uh, Scarface, things like that. So you're getting almost a kind of perfect storm of all these things coming together. And you also had um, a lot of pulpy novels and a lot of uh, kind of detective stories and not and writers and and books and things like that. People like Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, who ended up uh, having a lot of their books be adapted into movies, you know, The Big Sleep, The Maltese Falcon, stuff like that. And they also, you know, wrote some screenplays for Hollywood movies um, and stuff like that. So you have all these kind of different um aspects, different genres of things kind of meshing into one another, and that is kind of the birth of Film Noir here in the United States. And the birth of Film Noir, people like to say it started in the year 1940. There are a few yeah, yeah. that kind of say a couple of movies in the late 1930s. Uh, movies like A Fury or You Only Live Once, uh, both di- both directed by Fritz Lang, coincidentally, may have been early precursors to film noir. But the film that really started off is a movie called Stranger on the Third Floor, which uh, starred yeah. uh, Peter Laurie who of course
0: he's very much a supporting character uh, in that movie right um but um yeah i mean a lot of these you know a lot of these german filmmakers cinematographers they they brought a lot of style of like because they were some of them were documentary filmmakers <laughs> so you know a lot of i think i think a good thing what we should before we get into some of the movies maybe is we should talk about the traits of film noir you know, right. talk about some of the things that were brought in—not just the the visual, but some of the themes that run through a lot of these film noir movies. Um, now, part of what was brought in by these um, film these these German film uh, filmmakers was the low key lighting. You know, yeah. the, you know, where we get our shadows. You know, like we were talking about Fritz Lang with something like Metropolis. Um, the, you know, the big shadows. Um, also, apparently, a lot of these. Um, these filmmakers had these cameras, these or these the, these film, these pieces of film that were a lot more sensitive to light, which made for more higher contrast. Right. Um, so that was another big thing. And of course, the other thing was was these filmmakers wanted to shoot more on location, so that apparently is another kind of thing that sh- kind of changed the vibe of these movies um, instead right. of just filming on sets on these big studios. Yeah, typically
1: um, movies back in the golden age of Hollywood were all done on sets. The yeah. only films that were really... Uh, maybe shot outside or on location somewhere were maybe like westerns and even then they were shot like on a on a western set if you will yeah, um yeah. and the lighting technique that steven specifically talking about is called uh churis lighting where it really accentuates the light and the dark you know a lot of you can see that readily apparent in a lot of film noirs when someone is standing next to a window and of course, most film noirs take place late at night. So the only yeah. thing that's coming in through the windows is either streetlights or moonlight. And what's reflecting through the blinds is you get kind of like um the you know, the light in the dark, the light in the dark kind of form a pattern on a wall or on a person's face. And it really blends into what the, the the core themes are with a lot of these film noirs. These are movies that are, you know, quite literally darker films. They're dealing with um, more darker themes than you would see in some of the other films at the time. Yet again, having all of that influence from the gangster movies from the 1930s and kind of a lot of the movies from the pre-code era in that early 30s time gonna, frame as well. I was well. going to
0: say a lot of the, the you know, not only was the style of, of the dark, all the shadows and stuff, you know, part of the style of these movies, but also it helped hide a lot of things that had to be hid because of the, the code. Yes. You know because, they, they couldn't because, show everything. You
1: yeah, know? because of the because of the production code being put into place, um, which we talked about in our last episode, so check that out if you haven't already. Yes. Th- there were certain things they had to do in the movies that they couldn't that they they had to change the way they made the movies, specifically change a lot of the endings of these movies, because if yeah. you remember what we talked about is in the production code the bad guys essentially cannot win the no. evil the villains cannot win so the good guys always have to kind of win at the end or this happened a lot in film noir our protagonists weren't typically protagonists; they were more in that gray area where they kind of shifted yeah. morality wise from Good to bad or bad to good. So you could kind of play with the demise of your main character. And that happened in a lot of film noirs. So that's why the film noir genre or movement or whatever you want to call it is so unique because it has so many things you could do within it. It's like the Swiss army knife of film movements where you could yeah. literally mesh so many different things it didn't have a set formula although it had certain iconic traits like we're talking about being shot in black and white typically being set at night sometimes most of them were set around uh, a detective story or a murder mystery or and something like that there's now nar- you know, know. the uh, introducing narration into the movie yeah became a huge thing on it. And, and yeah it, the femme fatale is iconic is an iconic kind of thing, and there were so many big time actresses who we remember now as being the best femme fatales of all time. And femme fatale is still something that they use throughout, uh, you know, movie history in in, in all kinds of genres, you know what I mean? And, and not necessarily being strictly film noir, but taking the femme fatale archetype and putting it into another genre. Well, that's-
0: well, see, the thing is, is I think the the traits of film noir that be, are became the most uh, noticeable were became that way because of the code. You know, when when these screenwriters, you know, needed to write a new crime movie, they looked at what worked before, and that's what they would use as their kind of blueprint. You know, you know, when they're putting out so many movies a year you know, these, you know, that's, that's, and it's like, it's still, they're still doing it today. I mean, Disney mm-hmm. literally goes by the same blueprints of almost all their movies. You know, a mom dies and then, you know, there's sadness and then, you know, how many moms have died in Disney movies? I don't uh,
1: parent, uh, yeah. Disney movie <laughs> loves killing off either both parents or one parent Yeah. or or something like that. And then like yeah. the kids got to deal with that emotional effect and go on this kind of life journey. I mean, there are patterns throughout movies. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's 2018, and movies have been around since, like, 1900. Uh, there's going to be a lot of repetition. You can't, sure, can't really course. help it.
0: But um, back to my point, but, yeah, yeah. They, they, there's a blueprint there, and I think that they, for their benefit of trying to stay to the code, they, they used a lot of them same traits to make sure they didn't fall out of the code.
1: Right. Yeah, I was going to um just talk about uh maybe some of our favorite film noirs cuz these films mm. are have become some of my favorites and i know steven uh has just gotten into film noir over like the last two or or three years or so and well he's i mean yeah i mean i
0: i don't think i've probably gone as linear as you have you probably have tried to literally go by every year and watch as many as you can
1: <laughs> probably i would think <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i remember it distinctly that I don't know, because I've only known Steven for a short amount of time. I've only known Steven yeah, for yeah. about two, Couple two, and years half, now. two and a half years or so. And he asked me, you know, you know, what, what do you recommend for film noir? And yeah. I, said, I said, and I gave him all the heavy hitters. you got to go, well, well, go to well, all the well, heavy let's, hitters.
0: Let's go ahead and get the, the one that I think we both are really big fans of. It might even be the one we talk about in the next episode, and that's Laura. I think right.
1: Laura is one, one of, he, one of he, the He suggested ones.
0: that one to me. And uh, and I that was one of the first ones I, I I picked up, and I was like, you know, I've seen some film noirs, but you know, in one of my, you know, I, if you remember the first episode, L.A. Confidential is my favorite movie, which is more of a neo noir. It's you know, and they made the movie in '97, so, but um, yeah, Laura is is awesome. Uh, I love yeah, the movie. Ma- I love the twist at the end. It's it's just fantastic.
1: Laura is an amazing movie. Maybe my favorite film noir. I think it is my favorite film noir. If someone's yeah. like, hey, what's your favorite film noir? Laura, which came out in 1944, directed by Otto Preminger, yet again, a director from overseas, um, starring uh, Gene Tierney and Dana Andrews. And it's a really interesting film noir. <clears throat> it's not typical film noir for the most part, it's, it's dealing around a murder, but this murder is some, there's something different about it because of the circumstances around it. We got this cop, it it centers around a cop who's trying to find out what happened to this Laura character. And, and he, he ends up interviewing all of the men and the people around her life. And while he's investigating her death, he ends up becoming infatuated with her.
0: Well, I was good. I see. And that's the, that's the great thing about this movie. You know, it uses the femme fatale, Trait, but in a different way, where she's not the one and it's not her going after the men to try to get them to do something. The men, she, she, she's not even involved, they just look at her picture and fall in love with her, and it yeah. ruins some of them. You know, like it's not her fault, it's their, you know, wanting to get her. It's it does a little <laughs> bit of a, a, a reversal there, and th- it's a role, it's a really role reversal
1: great. because their downfall is all of their own doing. Yeah, because of their infatuation with law which, which
0: is which is one of the main themes in in you know film noir, which is obsession, uh, addiction, um, right, it, are yeah. big big themes in a lot of film noirs. One of my favorites, which is kind of uh, a loose film noir, I would say, is The Lost Weekend um, from Billy mm-hmm. Wilder. It's it, and that movie is about alcoholism, which is another big one uh, when it comes to uh, film noir. Um, uh, it, it's it just does a really good job of kind of following this journey of this man that just is just an alcoholic and he just can't help himself. And he, and he just, it, it, I don't want to give too much away on that movie. No, it's, it's been a, a while since it, I've seen it, it too. It, 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 it's, 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 it's a, a fantastic
1: it's a movie. He, you know, it's a, it's uh starring uh Ray Milan and Jane Wyman. Yeah. And it's a film uh that came out in 1945, I believe may have won best picture. It's, it's an astounding, great film. Uh, Directed by Billy Wilder, yet again, someone who had emigrated from ABC. Oh, he had so
0: many f- great film noirs.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, he, the one he's known for the most is Double Indemnity, which I, yeah. which is the quintessential or, film noir,
0: or Sunset Boulevard,
1: and, and Sunset Boulevard, which is another quintessential film noir. Or but last weekend, or is
0: Ace in, or Ace in the Hole,
1: Ace in the Hole, another great <laughs> film noir. <laughs> yeah, Billy Wilder. Is one of the more, I would say, well-known directors yeah. and writers of that cl- of that classic Hollywood era. I mean, you can even say, I mean, it so much of it, so many of his movies are are film noirs, and not only film, but he was able to write comedies, dramas. Yeah. He did, you know, war movies with Stalag Seventeen, um, of course, and then he would work all the he worked all the way from the 1930s all the way up until the 19 uh 80s and just an astounding career and he established a lot of the uh essential film noir marquee characteristics in yeah. Double indemnity. Now now Double... we can't
0: we 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 can't we can't talk about this era Ever... without talking about your one of your favorites. Orson Welles.
1: Oh yeah, Orson Welles yeah. Yeah. Oh man, what to say, what to say, what to do. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, Citizen Kane, you Citizen know, Kane is not is, your typical
0: film noir, but it, it is, is very much in the
1: style of a film noir, a lot, a lot yeah, of it, yeah. I, I consider it a film noir, came out yeah, in 1941, yeah. it is in that era, it's in that era, and the way it is shot using light and shadows and angles and all those types and of things. And, and the
0: voiceovers. The, and the
1: whole movie know, has a narration because you're looking yeah. back at the life of Charles Foster Kane. And certainly, it has that lead protagonist who is interesting and who's someone who goes on a journey. He's got, you know, a lot of, you know, self inducing, self imploding characteristics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Orson Welles would make other film noirs as well. He would make the film that a lot of people kind of say marks the end of film noir, which is to, uh, Touch of Evil. And Touch of Evil yeah. is. Just a crazy, crazy movie.
0: Yeah, I just actually watched it for the first time before this because I wanted to. I wanted to make sure I'd seen it because I, because th- of that that thing of people thinking that this is kind of the last one. I loved it. It's great. It's fantastic. It's, it's it.
1: I'll say this. It's in, it's a little insane. Yeah, there's some insane, insane parts of it. What's crazy about, that, I mean, I don't want to go into a whole Orson Welles thing, but I'll say this: Orson Welles was so far ahead of his time that the studios never let him make the movies he wanted to make because they didn't know what the heck he was doing (laughs) you know what i mean he he was like making movies and shooting them in such a way he had a lot of like you know issues as well when it came to you know uh, production scheduling and all going over budget and all that kind well, of he, stuff. he had and, he had
0: physical health issues too, so well, yeah, a lot, I mean, of thi- lot of things, a lot of things going on with that guy. He had
1: always had money issues when it came to making the movies, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that no major studio I mean, would work
0: with. Him, I mean, in this know? movie, he looks like he's gonna die every time you see him on screen. Well, he looks just, like, like he's about, the, looks like he's fact, gonna explode.
1: In Touch of <laughs> Evil, a lot of people think that that's that he's actually that fat and that grotesque, but he it's actually he was actually wearing a fat suit. And having all kind of prosthetics on his face and like to make his cheekbone, his cheeks look so big and stuff like that. But touch of evil is so unique in the sense that. The movie was taken away from him by the studio, and they tried to edit the way, edit it the way they wanted it to edit. But it made it makes absolutely no sense in the theatrical cut. And it wasn't until the nineteen nineties where they, where uh, Peter Bogdanovich and a bunch of other people got together to reinsert uh, certain scenes, completed scenes into the movie to make it as close to the original film as orson welles would have wanted it to be and that's the film that uh we have today and that's the cut of the film i recommend people watching is i that hope that's Restored the cut, cut i saw <laughs> it's it's kind of the, it's the main cut it's the main cut okay good pretty much it's the, i i watched it off of youtube so hopefully oh, that's the boy, cut. I got. you gotta get that blu-ray i got I, I, have, well, well,
0: I have you know maybe 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 there'll be like a criterion uh centennial whenever he turns 100 uh, so he's I,
1: already, I think he's already turned hundred. Did yes. he? Oh. He he was born in night 1915. Yeah, he was he was a hundred year. Uh, 2015 was his centennial.
0: Ah, uh, they missed it. Unfortunately, uh, uh, for- fortunately, Satyajit Ray has a hundred years coming up in the next five true. years. I think that is true. Yes. Um,
1: Dude. I'll say another film noir from him is The Stranger, which a lot of good people one. consider yeah, his one. weakest film. And the I and, like it. And it's actually the first Austin Wells film I ever saw and it, it has to deal with something very interesting this idea of um, kind of investigating you know post war united states like cuz in cuz after the war ended in world war 2 a lot of the nazis kind of fled europe so a lot of them ended up in a bunch of different places so a lot so this film basically is what ha- what would happen if a big time bad guy nazi person came to like small town connecticut and yeah. Martin Balsam plays the detec- detective trying to hunt him down. Uh, and the the main, you know, Nazi bad guy is Orson Welles. It's, it's a really good film that I think another one that he made just, just to keep the studios happy. Um, but another one that is yet again, uh, the final one we'll talk about so we can move on to somebody else, is uh, Lady from Shanghai. Lady yeah. from Shanghai is a movie that is yet again another one taken away from him. In post-production and kind of finished by the studio. And it's a another crazy, crazy movie. Came out in 1947. And it stars him as well as his then-wife Rita Hayworth, who was also a femme fatale... Not only in this movie, but she was also a femme fatale in Gilda in a certain sense. That movie is another very interesting film noir. But Lady from Shanghai, I highly recommend watching it, but go into it with a very open mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, also, you know, we we don't have to totally leave Orson Welles yet because we do got to talk about the third man.
1: Uh, which he started, which he
0: which he's in, yeah. He he didn't direct it. He didn't direct um, it.
1: But this is Carol Reed. Came out yes. in nineteen forty nine, I believe. And this is where we get some serious film noir aesthetic yes. one hundred and one. We're talking shadows, like like crazy.
0: <laughs> some <laughs> some serious yeah, shadows. Some serious
1: shadows. Beat. Not only shadows, but this is the fil- uh, Carol Reed loved to use Dutch angles basically yeah. dutch angles being like you know he was, how, the, he was the, the kenneth camera.
0: brana of his time
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh you could say kenneth brana stole it from him uh, but, yeah yes 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 uh, but what happens with dutch angles is the camera is turned uh, like off kilter it'll be turned yeah. either you know off off like kind of uh sideways or it's things supposed like to it's that. supposed
0: to give the, the idea that something's off right you know, something is, something something bad's going on
1: things aren't yeah quite what they they are. You know what I mean? Things are going bad or things are about to go bad or something like that. A lot of times those camera angles are used when someone's like lying in bed and you want to get like a kind of like, you know, if someone has a hangover so you kind of put the camera a certain way. Like I remember that uh, being in Notorious, uh, Hitchcock's Notorious which is also kind of a bit of a film noir if you you look at it. Uh, There's a scene where um, Ingrid Bergman is waking up, I believe, from a hangover from the night before and um, Cary Grant's walking towards her, and I believe the Dutch there's a Dutch angle of him kind of like sideways or whatever. Yeah, it's really supposed to signify kind of you know that sense of upheaval and whatnot. But in Carol Reed's um, uh, the movie we're talking about, it's in the third man. It, it, it's used so much that it really became a staple of of that genre and really a staple for Carol, Carol Reed. Yeah. He loved to use that in a bunch. Yeah, he of his did. Uh, what do you do?
0: Night Train at Munich, too. That's another one. Yes,
1: that's another Carol Reed film. He uh, did Odd Man Out, uh, I yeah. believe, as well. Um, that's also a bit of another film noir as well. And and we're talking about film noir specifically when it comes to Hollywood, but yeah, but we have to also mention that film noir had also a bit of an international run as well. Sure there, sure. there were film noirs in Great Britain. There were film noirs in Japan. Um, in, in Japan, we had the. Oh well, yeah, the legendary, Kira Kurosawa did some. The greatest. Know, he, Kurosawa yeah, yeah.
0: did some. Um, was it Stray
1: Dogs? Stray Dogs, Drunken it? Angel, um, yeah. The Bad Sleep Well, which which was in the 1960s, but still a film noir. Um, and of course, in France, they had film noirs as well. And we had um,
0: uh, what uh, Senjun Suzuki uh, did some, you know, like Brandon yes. Kill.
1: Yeah, that's a bit later. I that's a little bit know. later, yeah. Is that the, I think that's the 60s. That might be Pretty late. Sure.
0: It might be the late 50s or early 60s. Yeah.
1: In France, we had, uh, you know, like Diabolique by Henry yeah. Georges Clouseau. Uh, we had Elevator to the Gallows by Louis Malle, you know, movies like that. Um, and and Ele- of course, yeah, of Elevator course we to had, the
0: Gallows is awesome. Of
1: course, we had uh, Jean-Pierre Melville. We can't remember Melville. Mm. Le uh, Le Deleuze, uh, Le Deuxième Souffle, Le uh, Le or Le Circle Rouge. Those are more neo-noirs that would come out later. But still, we have this kind of international uh, presence of film noir as well that goes beyond... The Hollywood borders, but when it comes to kind of you know the real you know not the real film noir, but the film noir that everybody goes back to, you know the films that everyone goes back to. Whether the, be the big, multi- like I said
0: earlier, like the big boom yeah. of of the forties and the fifties, right? Um, and we during got, during that code era, um, is, is 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 where a lot of these classics. Another classic, Out of the Past, uh, oh, is another out one of we have to about
1: Oh, what a movie! Yeah. Uh, uh, Robert Mitchum, Robert Mitchum, and talk Kirk about Douglas a femme fatale! Talk about yeah. a femme fatale! My goodness. Uh, I believe that was Was that Jane Greer In that movie Yes That was the femme fatale uh, In that movie Jane Greer was the femme fatale The femme fatale For double indemnity Is the iconic Barbara Stanwyck Um, And of course um, Who was the actor In that movie Stephen it's Kirk
0: Douglas, Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas are the no, two. No, I mean,
1: in Double Indemnity, it was um, Fred oh, McMurray. Oh, Double Indemnity? Um, Fred McMurray.
0: You're switching movies on me.
1: Yeah, Fred McMurray. Yeah, and I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place. Fred McMurray <laughs> and uh, Edward G. Robinson's in that movie. Edward G. Robinson, whose career started in the gangster movies of the 30s, made the transition to the to the 40s film noir ever pretty pretty nicely. Um, yeah. There are so many films I mean, we could that we could just touch upon. Oh man, there's uh Fritz Lang's, they got Scarlet Street with Edward G. Robinson as well. We've got um The Naked City, uh They Drive By Night, Um Crossfire, uh, the Big Combo, the Big The Big Heat. There was a lot I don't, I don't know why they they liked White, to uh, just, White,
0: heat. Yeah, White, White Heat.
1: White Heat well, White White Heat was a gangster movie, but it came out in the forties. So yeah, yeah. it's technically, could you say it's film noir? Of course, it's,
0: <coughs> it's a very, it's a very bright film noir. It's not yeah. as shadowy as the other ones. Yeah,
1: no. and of course you have uh, Alfred Hitchcock's um, one of his early re- American like, films. like
0: stuff like Rear Window. Even though it was, well, I guess that's more neo since yeah. it was color. But
1: no, no, it came out in the '40s, though. But I mean, but I was thinking more of his black and white: Shadow of a Doubt, sure. Strangers on a Train, The Wrong Man. Um, those are some some. The, of the Wrong Man's in a good. That's
0: that's definitely that's kind of one that really goes into one of the themes of film noir, which is the the, the person that was, uh, you know, misinformation, you know, the miss, right. you know, it's kind of a, is a theme that you see in a lot of film noirs where somebody's yeah. accused of something that they didn't do. Um, something like North by Northwest or, or 39 Steps, which was Ooh, yeah. before, yeah. you know, before. Um, Very
1: much so. I mean, you had others, you had other movies um, I'm thinking of like Where the Sidewalk Ends uh, that also starred, I believe, Dan Andrews. Um, you've got there's so many, so many movies. If you just go and Google, like best film noirs. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say the the film noir, time. classic film noir genre is just like this pole, this shallow end. Oh, and, you and, jump and, in, and there's just and so many. Is, and you thing know. is,
1: like it's almost like never ending too, because it, it was, is. Like, yeah, because at the time Hollywood would just f- would just plug out so many movies. You know what I mean? Hollywood was a bit of a machine at the time. Um, well, like I said, like I said, yeah. with
0: with what they did, it, it was called. I meant to say what it was called. It's called block booking. Was oh. was the idea of the A movie with a bunch of B movies because you know back then you'd have like double features and you would have their A movie and then it would be it would end with a B movie and you had all these B movies they were making for for on the cheap and it just on and on and on and eventually I think it was in the fifties late fifties or maybe into the sixties where they got rid of block booking um, because. I guess they just—it wasn't a good deal for the theaters. The theaters fought back, so um, you know. But it, yeah, I mean, there's just such a there's such a. I I I always keep. I mean, unfortunately, we're losing Filmstruck, but you can go on Filmstruck, man, right now and just find all these like just film noirs that you just never heard of. I, right. You just keep keep going and going and going. Yeah, there's if you so want, many. and
1: also, I mean, there are there are books about film noir. Um, and there are books by really uh rather well-known people who you'll see show up in a lot of kind of um uh, extra features when it comes to blu-rays and dvds you'll find people like eddie muller will show up or elaine silver or alan silver um you just these big time guys who write books about film noir um yeah. i have i have some books about film noir like um the dark city like it's a film noir book and all that kind of stuff there's a there's a film noir reader that's done by Alan Silver um it's it's very very just just an expansive genre that that they teach in school they teach they teach whole film noir genre courses in school and yeah some of the books here um film noir and encyclopedia dark city the lost world of film noir uh, dark side of the screen. There's a lot of darkness within the film noir. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. That's well, the one uh, key thing about film noir. I was gonna say. I, s- I was gonna say.
0: I think a, a good, you know, you know, this episode's a lot more of a, we're kind of going off the, re- really just showing our love for this genre more than anything. Right. But um, I was gonna say if there was a way to, kind of describe why you really love this genre so much. What what's the best? What are the things about it that you love that? Can you describe it? I mean, is there a way? Man, um, I know, I know it's tough. I, it's like whenever somebody asks me like why I love movies so much, I'm like, I. <laughs> it's, a co-
1: it's a complicated it's, question. It, it's complicated. Um, it's like
0: why you love another person, or you know, it's not so easy to put it into words. But right, I mean, you know, I'm um, I'm
1: a bit of uh, for me, when it comes to watching movies, I tend I, I tend to lean heavily on, uh, look uh, paying close attention to aesthetics, like yeah. visually the way the film looks visually how is the story being told because a lot of the times uh film is a film is is a visual medium and film can tell us stories not necessarily directly through action or dialogue but through um just the visuals and what yeah. and and the way film noir can do that i really really enjoy like the way a scene will be lit where there will be a shadow of someone that just looms over someone else. It'll be somebody. Yeah. It'll be someone standing off screen, but their shadow will loom on someone else. And it'll be really. You'll be like, oh, that that person who's making that shadow is is a threatening figure. Is someone who has power and a threatening aspect over the person who the, the shadow is looming upon. So I really love the way film noir um, branched off and really developed further developed the aesthetic of the way films uh, were a visual medium being able yeah. to really push the production and really push the medium further that's what i really love about film noir and some of the stories are really awesome too yeah you know i was going mean? to say They're,
0: for for me i as much i mean it definitely the visual aspect of it is 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 great in in distinct but uh, for me it's 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 what a lot of film noir's the thematic stuff for me is the stuff that I get really interested in. The darker, the seedier things are the, are the things that a lot of us are interested in, whether it be, you know, crime films or mystery films. Um, that's the stuff that I, I get really – that's the stuff I get really invested in. Yeah, and so, fil- you know. film
1: noir really pushed the envelope, I think, as far as you could really go at the time because of the production code, dealing with things like murder and – And just sexiness on the screen. Some of these um, Femme Fatales just ooze, um, you know, sex appeal and things like that. When you have some of the most beautiful actresses at the time being Femme Fatales, people like Rita Hayworth and Lana Turner and Ava Gardner, just these really beautiful actresses at the time. And what it also did, I think, when it came to making uh, stronger female characters on screen. Yeah. Because the femme fatales were integral parts of the movie. They were powerful parts of the story. And it showed that women can be as powerful as men when it came to manipulating the story or manipulating emotions or having a really big impact on what was happening in these movies. Because it happens a lot of times now where if there's a male protagonist a film really concentrates solely around him and the females are kind of female actors or actors or characters are really underwritten. Like they're just there yeah. to serve the male character. But in film noir with the femme fatale, these women, you got to watch out for them, you Well, know? yeah,
0: I was going to say specifically in something like um, leave her to heaven.
1: No, oh, what a movie. <laughs> what a movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: The character you see in Laura, the was it, what's her name? Gina is the uh, actress's uh, Jean, name is
1: Gene Tierney.
0: Yeah, she's in, she's in Laura and she, she's the, she's the the main female character and she's, she's sweet and she's innocent. And then you go over to leave her to heaven and she is a crazy bitch. Um, <laughs> in that movie, it's, it's, you, yeah, and, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's what, and not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use those terms exactly, but just she's crazy. someone she's crazy. who <laughs> is, uh, maniacal and able to do uh, lots and lots of things in the movie that typically uh, certain female characters weren't doing at the time. It really broke loose. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is things. that, is that
0: they, is they really get that character, you know, just an, an instance where an actress got to play one type of role and then went over here to this other movie and played this completely kind of opposite character, um, is what I was trying to get at. You know, she, oh, yeah. she, she was given that opportunity to play somebody so crazy, you know, um, you know that maybe you know where where females later on got to do the same thing maybe like in something like uh with Kathy Bates in Misery you know something crazy like that you know it's like you know a lot of these females paved the way for for other females to do something like that you know
1: yes yeah and i re- yeah um another 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 f- um iconic actress i want to bring up is veronica lake and the reason i want to bring up veronica lake is it's Typically for Steven, because of his favorite movie being L.A. Confidential, oh, which, man. which I believe yeah. Kim uh, Basinger in that Kim, film, Kim ha- Basinger plays has, the look-alike. Yeah, has of, the Veronica yeah. Lake look that Veronica Lake uh, long, uh, blonde hair or whatever long hair over one eye look became really iconic uh, in the nineteen forties, um, and I just it, it's very interesting how that that kind of you know just the look of some of these femme fatales was was you know uh, made its way into like hair and fashion and stuff like yeah. that you know what i mean and there are a lot of people um today who really uh who love these classic movies and they dress similar to the way a lot of these people dressed back then um and it, it's very interesting how strong uh there still is a base of fandom for The classic era of film noir and just kind of the classic era of Hollywood in general, being you know the '30s and '40s and the '50s to a certain extent. And we
0: can get more we can get more into like the influence of this uh, of the this classic era when we maybe do an episode on you know neo noir when we do you know we'll focus on after 1958. Yeah,
1: what I'm trying to what I'm trying to I, I guess still still make the argument is that you know. Filmstruck isn't exactly a niche audience, or Filmstruck isn't not. something for somebody you know who is n- like older or whatever. It's not something that has a specific age range. I don't know why I keep bringing up Filmstruck, and you know what? I think the reason is because I'm <laughs> I'm, on so it. Upset, I'm so upset, guys. I'm on mad. it. I'm on it literally every day, and people are going to lose access to a lot of film noirs yeah. because of it. You can find it, it, like these movies on DVD and Blu-ray but sure, to have them sure. all collected in one place where you could literally have as to click we, a button is as DVD we say really as we said convenient. before
0: in that one episode one of the big things about it is is that it's not just about you know having having it easy but it's it's just good to have it out there cuz it's art you know it's we should have access to all art it's not just what's popular you know any you know it, just because it isn't part of the mass popularity doesn't mean there isn't a lot of people that like something. So, you know just right. you know, it's it's unfortunate. But um, yeah there there are a lot of film noir. You know Warner Classic Warner Archives puts out a lot of stuff. Yeah, from, Warner you know, Archive puts
1: out a lot of stuff. Um, and what is interesting is, uh, they they were big proponents of it, but a lot of Like, studios all the time were putting out film noir stuff. Like, they were were all, like, jumping on the film noir bandwagon. What is interesting, as I like, I just want to mention this, is that um, film noir, hold on, I've got to clear myself off. Um, Film noir didn't have a certain set location. Like we like to think of film noir being like, you know, it's the inner city. It's the dirty streets of like a major metropolis like a Chicago or a New York. Uh, Sometimes film noirs didn't take place in a city at all. I think of like I think of the movie uh, Ride the Pink Horse, which took place in like a border town. You know what I mean? And I also think of something like In a Lonely Place, which had nothing to do with. Oh, like um, like a, a detective or a police story or anything like that. it was about a writer. Uh, one yeah. of Humphrey Bogart's great uh, greatest performances it's an all-time film noir um, and directed by Nicholas Ray, who would then go on to make Rebel Without a Cause as well. Um, but it just, there's no, it, it just goes into that, like having film noir, not having a set definition because it doesn't have a set location. It doesn't even have a set genre. Um, it, just hinting about what is beyond the classic era is you would get noir, uh, characteristics in sci-fi, in, in, sci-fi, in, in Westerns, in, yeah. in action movies and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a very, what, it's
0: a very adaptable, uh, you know, genre. It it can right. adapt itself to any, any kind of location, any kind of uh, characters, and it just, it's, it's great. It's yeah, it's why we mean, love it so And
1: much. it still exists today. It's yeah. still, it, it's still part of a lot of movies today. A lot of movies have taken a lot from it and still using it now. Yeah. So it's, it's,
0: somebody, somebody like David Fincher is very much a film noirish takes a lot of film noir uh, elements with his visual style um with stuff like 7 and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. I don't want to I don't want to get too We into don't want to yeah
1: cuz w- those are probably stuff, topics we're going to talk about probably yeah. later on eventually. So you don't want to spill yeah. all the beans now. We don't want to spill you
0: know? it all out, but <laughs> I I think I think we covered a lot we talked about a lot of great films within the classic era give you a little bit of information about the history of it. And, uh, I think, I think, uh, you know, we'll say, I don't know which movie we're going to do and focus on next, next week, but, um, we'll save that for the surprise. We'll surprise right, you. Right. Um, we're still,
1: we're still debating we're about debating, which yeah. one is it going to be something that everybody's familiar with. or Is it going to be something we are always going less... for the more obscure thing? Yeah. We, we want to go a for... little obscure, but not like too obscure. We want people to actually be able to, to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, With that said, where can we find you, Andrew? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Cabzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Cabzilla Productions.
0: And you can find me, uh, Stephen Billings, on Facebook, uh, Cinema Discovery Project on Instagram, YouTube. Um, You can find this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and like I said, on YouTube, uh, just the audio. And um, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will.